It's your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue, blue, blue. This, this is the pod, is the the pod for, you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Basketball is back, or at least we're close to it being back. What's up, guys? This is EJ Stewart. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast in Odyssey WFAN original. We got a lot to talk about in this episode because Knicks basketball is right around the corner and training camp is upon us. So we had Knicks content day on Monday. We breaking out all the stuff that happened. We got to hear from Tiz. We got to hear from uh, uh, Emmanuel quickly. We got to hear from uh, new Nick Dante DiVincenzo, of course, Brunson, Randall, uh, RJ, all the guys are back as they get ready for training camp. A training camp that's actually going to take place not in the area. It's going to take place in some old stomping grounds that the Knicks are actually familiar with, at the very least the organization is familiar with. So we'll talk about that. We also got some very interesting Knicks media news coming down the pipe from uh, Andrew Marchand. So we'll, we'll uh, discuss that as well and could be a, a big change in the in the broadcast uh, booth for some games for Knicks this upseason. So we'll talk about that as well. So uh, a lot to get to. A very special guest joins me on Orange and Blue Blood. So we'll get to all that and more right after this. Like I said, this is Orange and Blue Bloods with EJ Stewart, and I'm happy to be joined by a very special guest. Uh, he is a sports anchor for New York Post and SNY and the host of the newly launched New York Got Game Show, which can be seen on the New York Post's YouTube channel. You can also catch him on Sports Updates on WFAN and CBS Sports Radio, two places I work, by the way. Um, and he was at Nick's Content Day. So this is actually maybe the best person we can have on Orange and Blue Bloods uh, for this episode. So Dexter Henry joins me on the podcast. Dexter, so happy to have you on, man. EJ, man, thanks for the, uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here with you. I am always, always happy to talk some Knicks basketball. So good time. it's going to be a good time. And I know that's a fact because every time I ever see Dexter <laughs> at the studio, the first thing he asks me, if it's not something about hip-hop, is so yes, that's my other love. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's my other love to talk about hip hop. So, hip hop and the Knicks <laughs> always we talk about either one, yeah, yeah. So, it's always what about the Knicks? What do you think about Dante? What do you think about RJ? So, <laughs> so, so the fact that he's on this podcast, it makes a lot of sense again. The fact that he was actually at Nick Content Day, uh, makes a lot of sense. Before we get into stuff, uh, from today, overall landscape of where you see the Knicks right now as they enter this season, a lot of expectations, um, but an Eastern Conference that has improved. Yeah, I think the Knicks are, I think they're in this really good place, EJ, right? I think a lot of talk is about, will they get a star? Can they get a star? But I think they're in a good spot right now. 47 wins last year. Um, I think this team, I think I said this on a couple other shows, I think they could win 50 games this year. Mm-hmm. They have the talent to do it. Continuity matters. That was a word that came up a lot today at Media Day. It's something that I believe in in organizations and teams. I think matters a lot. Uh, you can't you can put a value on teams playing together, being together for a long period of time, knowing what their identity is. I think this team knows what their identity is. I think they're also very aware of the fact that just because they won 47 games last year doesn't mean that they're automatically going to go upward this year. And they spoke about that on media day. And I, I liked, I liked what I heard from there, but I think this team is in a really good position right now. I think they can, that's the third, the third best team. If you want to say, if you want to say Boston and Milwaukee, are the two best teams in the East. The Knicks, and they have as good a shot as anybody to be that third team. There's a lot of dysfunction in Philadelphia right now. We saw that even unfold more on media day. James yeah. Harden did not show up. 
Uh, who knows what a lot of other teams could be. The Knicks showed they were better than the Cavs last year, right? The Heat look like they have regressed, at least roster-wise, but I never count them out because they always find a way or find some player. I'll tell you what, they round, might not. They, we'll yeah. see if they regressed uh, roster-wise, but I do know one thing. I'm going to say Jimmy Butler regressed when he came to uh, <laughs> media day look. Yes, last year was the dreads. Uh, this year he had the perm with the, yeah. the, the the ear pierce, the piercings on the nose, piercings on the eyes. I don't know what is going on with Jimmy Butler, but we'll, very we'll emo, up, very emo look, very emo. Yes, look, yes, yes. He said he was into he was in his Lincoln Park bag, I guess, but um, in his Fallout Boy <laughs> bag. But uh, but yeah, they, they haven't regressed in that aspect. They've definitely yeah. regressed when it came to the uh, opening day looks. Oh yeah, def- definitely. I'm with I'm with you on that. But no, I think I think the Knicks are in a good spot, and I think fans should be excited this year. Um, I think they should be excited at what this team is doing, how they've developed, how patient they've been. They, listen, this team doesn't have a bad contract on the roster. If you want to say they have a bad contract, it's Evan Fournier, and his 18.9 million dollars is expiring. They can use that in the trades. I, I think they're in a good spot. I think if you're a Nick fan enjoy like enjoy just enjoy the process man enjoy the process because the process ain't going well in philadelphia the Knicks should at least they should at least enjoy it themselves they should do that yeah i'm gonna say the process uh, may end up being in new york uh very shortly if things uh, get, get straightened out in philadelphia mm-hmm. so again this is uh dexter henry joining me on orange and blue bloods and as i said at the top of the show basketball is back and the excitement level for this next season is the highest has been in at least a decade the team convene monday for content days they call it is they don't call it media day like everybody else which kind of goes into i guess you know the next feelings about the media but nonetheless content day was on monday uh players and head coach tom Thibodeau addressed the media for the first time ahead of the start of training camp the team is heading to charleston south carolina to hold camp uh at the campus of the citadel this is something that the organization has actually used to do every year starting with pat riley in the early 90s uh, kind of getting a kind of a boot camp feel that they will bring over to uh, at that time the college of charleston here they're doing it at the citadel uh tom Thibodeau, he was a part of some of those training camps uh in charleston when he was on jeff and gundy's staff uh Thibodeau said the message uh heading into camp is that last year is over and despite all the success that the team uh had last season they need to continue to establish the right habits in order to have an even bigger season here's tom Thibodeau on how they're going to do that the big thing for us is you know, the continuity of the team, but also adding Dante uh, and then having the understanding that uh, last year has nothing to do with this year. And so we have to start all over again. We have to build a base. We have to get a baseline. Uh, we have to put the work into each and every day. Uh, and we have to do this together. We, you know, we can't do this individually. It has to be done as a team. Tom said, let him be known again last year has nothing to do with this year, and that is all about uh, basically kind of building a base and moving forward. So one of the big questions this season is what will happen with uh, the man that Dexter just uh, re- recently mentioned there, a disgruntled shooting guard, Evan Fournier, who said this offseason that he had a, quote, hatred for the team after uh, being taken out of the rotation and, and playing very little time uh, last season as the Knicks moved on with Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup now. Tibbs says that he's expecting to stay with the same starting line at the start of this season, which means that Quentin Grimes will remain the starting shooting guard. And he addressed uh, Fournier's uh, displeasure with the situation. I have great respect for him. And 
you know, you come into the season. Uh, I didn't go into the season thinking we were going to do the things that we ended up doing. We did it because we weren't having success one way. So we adjusted. And then the next group that went in, like, it's hard to argue with 37 and 22 and a plus five net rating. You know, so it is what it is. Might be the, the sauciest I've ever heard, uh, Tim, to be honest. A little spicy there with the, hey, can't argue with the record. Can't argue with a plus five rating. I even give you some analytics uh, for Evan Fournier. He wants to keep complaining about why he's not getting time. But uh, but Tim is there making it be known that he's going to stay with the same starting lineup. So one of the big research, uh, keys to the resurgence for the Knicks last season was the play of star guard Jalen Brunson. He became a franchise difference maker in his first season in New York. When asked about how the team improved from last season, uh, to this season, this is what he said. He talked about the team's effort. I have great respect for him. We have a bunch of guys who just uh, love to work on their game, have great work ethic, um, all that stuff. You have guys we have to kick out of the gym. You know, that's not a it's not a problem for for guys to like work on their game. So I think that's a plus for us. And um, I think we all come back better. We all come back wiser. We understand the task at hand, what we need to do, and um, that's just getting better every single day. And um, this is a great group. This is a great group. So the Knicks are going to need to stay in the gym if they're going to compete with the uh, the East elite teams. As we mentioned before, Celtics, Bucks made massive moves this week, upgrade their rosters. Milwaukee shocked the league by adding Damian Lillard. Uh, Drew Holiday was shipped out in that Dame trade, and then he was sent to Boston, uh, adding to the level of talent at the top of the East. Um, so now – Boston has a new point guard in Drew Holiday. The Bucs have a superstar point guard in Damian Lillard. So things not getting easier for the Knicks in the East. If the Knicks are going to take a step up, Dexter, what do you think is going to have to happen for them to do that? I think if they're going to have to take a step up, I think one of the things you're going to have to see better is them shoot the ball better from the outside more consistently. Um, one of the reasons the Knicks ended up finishing third um, in offensive rating last year, and their offense improved when they struggled in the beginning of the season was because of their offensive rebounding rate, right? Yeah. Which still means they're missing a lot of shots from yeah. the outside. <laughs> so you want to see them hit more shots. I think I think it's great when you can have guys and they have good rebounding guards in Dante DiVincenzo, who's a good rebounding guard. You also have Josh Hart, who's also able to rebound very well for his size. I think that helps, but you want to see guys knock the three down more and put pressure on teams offensively when someone like a Jalen Brunson gets into the paint and kicks out, when Julius Randle, who can attract attention as well, too, kicks out, you want to see guys knock down the shots. And we're talking about guys, you know, we got to talk about who we're talking about. We're talking about R.J. Barrett's got to be better and more consistent from the outside. Only 31% last year. He's got to be better there. We know what Grimes can do. He can hit hit it well at a, at a good clip. But I think R.J. is really the key in that starting lineup. If he can knock down his open looks, become more efficient with his shots and finish around the rim, that's going to open up that offense. So I think it's really, for me, I think taking the next level is just them becoming a better offensive team, a little bit more fluid, not so ISO heavy. That's something I'd like to see a little bit. I know their best players are really good with the ball in their hands in Randall and Brunson, but I want to see the ball move around a little bit more. And look, you got some more shooting with DiVincenzo. I think quickly shoots better than he did in the playoffs last year. You know, they should be a team that shoots a lot better than what we saw last year, but I think some key guys have to knock down some shots. So one for me, it's Barrett shooting at a better rate. And also, I'm going to add Josh Hart into that, too. He's got to actually take more shots and not hesitate when he has to open three. I want to see him let it fly a little bit more and live live with those attempts, even if he misses. 
Yeah, Hart, uh, during the regular season stint when he was here, was phenomenal from three, even though he didn't shoot at a high uh, you know, quantity. He was shooting, I think, 50% from three-point range. Yeah. So uh, you that's the kind of guy. Now, look, he's going to get open looks. Teams are going to want him to get open looks. When you're playing in the NBA, it's about basically you're going to have to live with something. You know, you can't take away everything from every team because the players are too good. So when you're playing against the Knicks, you're going to have to take away Brunson. You're trying to take away Randall. Those are your first two things. You're probably trying to take RJ's abilities to drive. So that means that some things you're going to have to give up. And I think one of the things that they were willing to give, give up were RJ3s, Jaylen, uh, uh, Josh Hart open looks. You're totally right about that. Um, last year at the time, it was Obi Toppin open looks. And now that'll be Dante DiVincenzo. So that should uh, help the Knicks in that regard in terms of shooting. But I think it's a good point. I think that that's probably the one thing we look at this Knicks team outside of big star power where you say, okay, what is it that the best teams in the NBA do that the Knicks don't do that great? You would probably say it's three-point shooting. It, it's it's they're not these, you know, lasers from all around the, the, the court. You know, they have guys who can shoot. Randall shoots uh, a really good percentage for a guy who shoots his main threes as he did last year. Quickly, I feel like can still shoot the ball better from three. I mean, he came into uh, the NBA with a reputation as a knockdown shooter and he's been a little bit of a, a streaky shooter since he's been in the NBA. I don't see why quickly can't be a guy that's a consistent 38, 39% shooter from three. You mentioned deep Vincenzo. Um, he's going to be an interesting guy to follow as well, because I, I never looked at him as a player and said, well, he's a shooter. Um, he's had kind of up and down, you know, shooting numbers throughout his career. Last year was the best he's ever yeah. shot playing in golden state. Now I think you talk about teams living with certain shots when you're playing against the Golden State Warriors, all the guys they got, I think you're going to live with Dante DiVincenzo looks, then you're going to, instead of, you know, Steph or Clay, some of those other guys. So um, so DiVincenzo, regardless of the quality of his list, he's going to have to shoot, continue at a high clip. So I do think that's a good point, that uh, shooting is going to be a must for this team. And, and then Quinn Grimes just, I feel like in many ways, the ceiling for this team, I feel like in some ways kind of rides on him. Because so I think realistically, huh. we can – all we can expect Brunson to play close to what he did. I think we yep. can expect Randall for the most part, though. I know he could be a little bit of a wild card in the regular season to play the way he did last season or somewhere around there. And I think sometimes we have question marks where RJ is, but like the last two or three years, he's kind of been the same guy ish. So let's just say RJ does what he's done. Grimes seems to be the player to me that I think if the Knicks are going to take a step up, he's got to become a 15 point scorer. He's got to be the guy that's, the, the real knockdown shooter, because he's another guy that came into the league with a reputation as a shooter. And in some ways, like the numbers look good, but then there were times where it just seemed like he couldn't make a shot. Uh, I, I would like to see him uh, be that guy who who becomes that real threat from three, because if he can space the floor, that opens up so many other things for everybody in the starting lineup. It's funny you mention him because I do think he's key. And I, I did a uh, I did an interview that will come out today. Me and Ian Begley were talking about it and I asked Ian Bailey or talking about different players and keys and I asked him about Grimes and once we heard that Grimes will be back in this starting lineup as two guard you mentioned there EJ I think I asked him well do you think he can take the make a leap and I think the leap that you're asking the numbers you put there about a 15 point per game scorer efficient shooting we know he shot around 39 38 percent from the three he did have a cold spell last year I think it was right after the all-star break where he went to a bit of a slump yeah, slumps happen. You know, it's gonna it's it's gonna happen. But I think Grimes is a, is a good shooter. Uh, he's a fantastic on ball defender. Now you want to see is can he? How does he get those fifteen points? I think that's the thing. It's how does 
he get these open shots in the offense? Does the offense evolve a little bit more, which is something I think a lot of Knicks fans have wanted to see from Tom Thibodeau in terms of different sets and different formations yeah. and, you know, doing that. Um, is he allowed to handle the ball a little bit more, uh, EJ? Is he going to be able to create some? We saw some of this a couple of years ago in Summer League. I don't get crazy about Summer League, but I think that's – are we seeing Grimes' game evolve? I agree with what you're saying there. A lot of people are going to say, does RJ take that next step? And I'm not saying that doesn't matter because it does. But I'm with you in that if Grimes takes the next step in his game and develops even more because of his shooting upside and how important shooting is to this team, I think that can be key. If he starts learning how to pick his spots and when to attack the rim, when to create off the dribble, when to, you know, I think that's going to be key. And I hope that the Knicks, I think Knicks fans are going to hope for this is that, is the team going to utilize that with him and allow him to develop not just in practice, but see a little bit in games as the season goes on. So I think that's a great point by you about Grimes. I think he's one of the key players for the Knicks this season. Yeah, in some ways, and I don't you know, I, I mean, I love almost everybody on the team. I love the Knicks, obviously, but I love RJ and I've defended <laughs> RJ a bunch. But in some ways, a leap, a, a leap from Grimes, I think, makes his teammates better. I don't know if a leap from RJ makes his teammates better. Now, the Knicks overall, I think, would be a better team. But mm-hmm. because of what RJ does, which is him getting downhill, slashing, I mean, the Knicks are going to score more points. They're going to get more to the free throw line. So it makes the team better. But I think with Grimes, because he's a floor spacer, if he right. takes a step up, and that means teams got to uh, take more attention onto him, and that creates driving lanes for other people. So that's why when I think about, oh, who has to take that next step up? I mean, I'll take anybody, trust me. And I would love it for RJ just for my own, just me rooting for him as a, as a young man who I think has come here and had, you know, the right attitude and has really, you know, showed a lot of toughness through a lot of adversity. Uh, if Grimes does that, I really think that actually helps everybody else on the roster because a lot of these guys are slashers. A lot of these guys, guys like to get downhill and because they don't have a lot of lasers. It's going to help those guys get uh, easier looks. So I think Grimes is going to be an important player. I think you're right. I think, you know, this is a comp a friend of mine gave me last year. Uh, Shout out to my boy, Anthony. He was saying that I wonder if you can take the kind of jump that we've seen with Desmond Bain on the Grizzlies. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of trajectory is kind of interesting when you look at him. Can a guy who can shoot the ball? Well, I mean, Grimes is a better defender than him, but can he do that? You see in a team, the Grizzlies, they're not a great shooting team. But what he's been able to do with his shot and then creating a little bit off the dribble, that opened up a lot for that team offensively last year. So I think your point about Grimes as well. And Grimes has the skill set to do it, man. I think he's yeah. got the skill set to do it. So we'll see. The Knicks have a lot of hard workers and their young players. The organization says that. I think guys like Quickly and Grimes, they spend a lot of time in the gym. So, do, so does RJ. Um, we'll see. You know, At some point, you can talk all you want. You can say about what's going on in practice. You got to put together in the games, right? EJ, you got to get it done in the games. That's all that matters. Absolutely. And I think with the Bain comp, that's interesting as well. Bain, underrated passer, an excellent passer. Grimes, yep. also very underrated passer, which is why I agree with the folks that say Tibbs needs to find a way to get him the ball more. Because, again, he has an opportunity to make his teammate. We saw him make some beautiful passes to Mitchell Robinson on some easy dunks. So we'd like to see that more this season. Now, on staying kind of sim- somewhat on that same Grimes front, Tibbs, as I mentioned earlier, talking about uh, Fournier again. I think the spiciest yeah. thing I've heard Tim talk about a player on his team <laughs> um, when asked about you know you know Fournier's frustration, basically saying, "Look at our record," and that was <laughs> his answer. It is what it is. So, do you agree with Tim's stance essentially that you know Fournier is basically going to have to sit as long as we keep playing well? 
Yeah, I mean, I, when he made the move, was I thought it was the right move then for the team. Um, we know Tibbs is a defense-first guy. Grimes is a much better defender than Fournier. It doesn't mean that I don't think Fournier can still play in this league. Like, I feel bad for Fournier in that regard because he still could play in this league and still could be valuable to a team. He's just not valuable to the Knicks right now, in, other yeah. than his contract being an expiring contract. He's not that valuable to the Knicks. So, I yeah, I was a little surprised when I was sitting there in the press conference. I was like, oh, Tibbs, Tibbs came here. He was like, I'm going to hit y'all with the facts. Yeah, the fact that he had the record and the plus, he was ready. The net rating in his head shows you that he (laughs) wanted to get this out. And I think that what Fournier was saying Mm -hmm. about him this offseason, I think rubbed him the wrong way, which is why he was ready with this. I think it did. And what what was interesting to me is, you know, and it it wasn't followed up and nobody asked. I think it was Stefan Bond who actually asked him the question about Fournier. But nobody, nobody asked, I think, a little bit about, you know, Fournier had said that you guys didn't have a relationship. Basically, it said that before the FIBA World Cup. And then what was it just last week? I believe he was on that radio station in France and said that, you know, like he's being held hostage by the Knicks. And it's like, for, here's the thing. First of all, I'll tell you what, I, I would love to be held hostage for 18.9 million dollars. To never yeah, have to step it. on the court. I would love yeah. it. Yeah, hold, hold me hostage. Okay, and I don't want to make fun of him in that way because he yeah. loves to play basketball and people yes. want to do what they love. And I have a respect for people doing what they love, um, as we are blessed to do. But for eighteen point yeah. nine million dollars, that's what the money's for, Fournier. That's that's what the <laughs> money's for. Uh, and, but I understand he wants to play. I don't know the truth about whether or not does he have a relationship with Tibbs? Is Tibbs stopped talking to him? I find that hard to believe. Now, one of the things I think you got to take about what Tibbs said, and I, I don't think that was in the clip you said, but he also said, "Look, you got to do what you got to do. You got to show up yes. to work and be a." He pretty much said, "Be a professional." That's yes, pretty much what he said. There, be a professional. And show up to work. And I mean, he's not wrong about that. And stay ready. That was something he also said. Stay ready. If there when there was there were some opportunities where Fournier did play with some injuries down the stretch. We saw that. And he did stay ready and he came and he came in. You never know, Fournier. You might have to be used. You can shoot the ball. We know defense is not a strong suit of his. But I don't blame Tibbs for what he said because it's like you got to go with the guys that you think you can win with. We all hear this all the time in sports, right? EJ, we're gonna go with the guys and give us the best chance to win. All right. Well, he's doing that, and he hit you with facts <laughs> with that plus five rating. And you're right, he had that and was ready with it. So I don't, I don't fault Tibbs for that. You're right; it's as spicy as we'd ever, ever heard him talk about a player on his own team. Think about it. even with Cam Reddish, he didn't get that spicy about stuff. He kind of was like, "Oh, we're gonna let this play out and do this." So that tells you Tibbs was probably a little bit annoyed at the stuff he heard from Fournier in the offseason. And he's like, "Look, show up and be a professional, and the rest will take care of itself." I think the Knicks will move off of him in some way before the trade deadline. I don't know how and what trade that'll be in, but it's a very valuable asset for the Knicks. And uh, they played it the right way. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I think that, I think with Fournier, I think he's going to be on the team until there's a trade for a star player that they can attach him to, or at least a different, a big difference maker. And if that trade doesn't, uh, for, you know, materialize, then Evan Fournier will be bought out as soon as the trade deadline's over. And he'll be one of the first guys you'll hear about that reaches a buyout agreement with the Knicks. And that will be the end of his time here. And, and I, I do agree with your point. Like, I think Evan, I think Evan is like a hooper at heart. Like, I think he does love basketball. I think he does yeah. love playing. So, like, I, I, it probably pains him to not be out there given he came here thinking he was going to be a big difference maker. But as Tib noted, look, like, at the end of the day, the team is not been successful with him playing a lot of minutes i mean we now saw a full season with him as a starting shooting guard where he broke the record for most knicks threes and it was my one of the 
one of the most disappointing Knicks seasons I've ever watched. And that's saying a lot. Because I've watched a lot of crap over the last 20 years. And him starting a shooting guard that season that I watched with him as a starter was one of the most disappointing. And then the start of the last season where he couldn't guard a chair. And, you know, I, I mentioned it on Twitter today. Like, like it's kind of crazy to, to come into this, uh, you know, training camp and this content day and hear no Tibbs nonsense. But I think given that Grimes proved what he did and the team and played the way they did and they, they won, um, it gave Tibbs no reason to doubt that he should stick with Grimes as a starter. And there was no, you know, talk about Evan Fournier needing him to start. I remember last year how crazy he sounded, thinking that they needed to still start Evan Fournier during uh, media day last year. And now that Obi Top is not on the team, so he doesn't have to gaslight us with reasons why he can't play Obi Top anymore. Like today, Thibodeau sounded like a really kind of a sane coach. Like I, I was like, I can't believe I went to a whole Tibbs press conference and didn't have any issues, but it was hard to really argue with anything he was saying. And I think in some ways, the two of the, the two most toxic things about his tenure as a Nick coach have kind of been handled, you know, one by one guy's play, another guy, another by another guy potentially being jettisoned out of here. Yeah, you know what it sounded like today? He sounded like a coach who knows his team. And that's where that continuity right. stuff that kept coming up at content day, uh, you know, from all the players and coach tips. It's a guy who knows his team. People know their roles. He knows what it's supposed to be. He knows the identity of his team. Um, to your point, I think Tibbs has probably not got enough credit for making that change or the organization. I think mm -hmm. it's some. I think there's something to be said when you realize what a sunk cost is. A sunk cost is a sunk cost, and hey, we're going to move on from this, and we're going to do what's in the best interest of the team. So Tibbs has made change. Everybody said Tibbs was stubborn. Oh, you won't make these changes. You won't do this. Blah blah blah. Well, he put Grimes in. The, he put Grimes, who he said had to earn the starting job last year, on content day. He said that on content yep. day. He would see, and he had to earn it. Grimes did play pretty well in the preseason. Then he got hurt, and he did, and then he got back into the starting lineup. Tibbs even had put Cam Reddish to start for a little bit of time. So he's shown some flexibility, but I think now he knows what the identity of this team is. I think the guys know what they expect uh, from the, themselves, from Coach Tibbs. And I, it just sounds to me like somebody who knows what the team is. There's really, you know, there really isn't a player now on this team right now. Things can change with Knicks fans. I know this. But there really isn't a player on this team that, so I can say, oh, this person should get minutes over this person. I think maybe watch a little bit about the IQ Dante minutes. That'll yes. be interesting to see how that goes. But, you know, we'll see. I think this team knows their role, their rotation. Nobody talked about minutes. Dante even got asked about that today. Everybody's like, look, that all stuff will all take care of itself. Nobody's really worried about it. And I, I don't think it was lip service. I think the guys believe that. I think they're they're bought into what they're trying to do and, this seems like a very good unit, very good group that we see, we're seeing right now. I mean, I was even surprised by RJ even floating out that if he was asked to come off the bench for someone like Josh Hart, that he'd be willing. This is what he said. If that were to be the case, you know, comfortable, you know, very comfortable in that in that role. Uh, so is Josh, of course. So just I think whatever we kind of need to do to win is is what we'll do. Whatever the game, you know, tells us to do. So it's. That's uh, what I have to do, then. You know, I'll, I'll do it uh, very willingly and, and gladly. So it seems like everybody has an awful one, one for all attitude as the season gets underway soon with training camp beginning on Tuesday. So, uh, two of the biggest storylines heading into camp will be how Dante DiVincenzo fits in with the team and that the Knicks can come to terms on a contract extension with Emmanuel quickly. The Knicks signed Dante DiVincenzo this past summer to a four year, $46 million contract. He reunites with 
former Villanova teammates Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart, who also, by the way, signed a three-year, $58 million extension with a team option for a fourth year. DiVincenzo says familiarity uh, with the area and his former teammates is why he decided that New York was the right place for him. One, first and foremost, I'm two hours away from my family. Um, and family is everything to me. Um, so, you know, adding on to that, you know, Nova guys are an extension of my family, um, Jalen especially. And, but ultimately, it's, you know, I like to I like to win basketball games. And, and looking at, you know, the layout of where I was, you know, potentially going to land, um, I felt most comfortable coming here. Um, adding the family aspect and then adding just, you know, what they've done last year um, and how I can kind of plug in and, you know, benefit um, from everybody around me uh, and to help this team just go further. I like a guy who says that uh, most importantly, I like to win basketball games. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, Dante, yes. We, 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 we like that. We like winning basketball games here. <laughs> I know we haven't done it a, a ton this millennium, but that is the kind of guys we like here. So, uh, Dante said the main focus is on winning, uh, regardless of what role he plays, as Dexter mentioned, coming off the bench, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever mean minutes he's willing to, uh, to 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 buy in. He said he has a four-year contract, so he's committed to winning here in New York City. Meanwhile, Emmanuel, quickly, uh, there's a looming deadline for him to sign a contract extension, uh, but he says that right now uh, really was not his focus now or even uh, this offseason. Honestly, I've just been doing what I normally do, which is working hard every single day to get better. I let my agent pretty much handle all that stuff. Um, but I've just been locked in on trying to get better, see what I can focus on to get better for this year. Um, helping myself and helping my team try to win games. So. Are, you, are you hoping for an extension for the deadline? Uh, whatever happens, happens because it's all up to my agent and you know the, the Knicks at that point. Like I said, I'm just worried about trying to get better each and every day. Uh, trying to reach my full potential and see how good I can get at this game. So, so quickly was the runner-up to uh, sixth man of the year last season, but he did obviously struggle in the postseason. Frank Hatz, beat writer for The Athletic, had wrote that the uh, general sentiment within the organization is that quickly who finished second in the NBA sixth man of the year voting last season will bounce back from a wish wishy-washy playoff performance. I think wishy-washy is being kind. I thought he was pretty much horrendous for much of the postseason. So uh, we'll get to quickly in a second, but on, on the Dante DiVincenzo front, where do you see uh, his fit on this team if you do have Grimes as your entrance starter? I, I First of all, I love the signing of DiVincenzo. I thought the Knicks addressed something they needed, which is getting more shooting, as we talked about, is something that I think is going to help them get better and compete with some of the elite teams or perceived elite teams in the East. So I like Dante there. I think he's a gritty player. He works hard in the defensive end. Not a great defender, but a solid uh, defender, I think, that can fit into the culture. Obviously, I think, you know, people talk about the Villanova stuff, EJ, but you know what? Being comfortable where you work matters, right? Yeah. Like, being around people you like. You know, we've all probably done some jobs around people we don't want to work or like working around, and that mm. sucks. So, you <laughs> know, I think being around guys that are familiar, you know, they, they're into the culture. I think that's the thing. It's not just that they're all Villanova guys. These are all hardworking guys, gritty guys uh, that fit into the brand of basketball that New Yorkers like, that Tom Thibodeau uh, preaches as part of the culture. So I think he's a good culture piece. Um, I think the more good signings you have, whether they're decent one-way players, but hopefully like semi to at least two-way players, somebody that can right. defend and give you some shooting, the more of those you add to your roster is always a good thing. That is never a bad thing. So I think he fits well this roster. 
He's a guy I think you can see getting about 20 minutes a night, maybe 25 in a good night. I think some nights he'll he'll get a little more quickly, he'll get a little less, and vice versa. Um, you know, so I I think it's I think it's a great signing for the Knicks. It's it's good to have shooting off the bench. So now when they go to the second unit, they're not really losing a lot of shooting and that that backup two spot. So yeah, this is a great signing. And he Dante struck me, you know, it's my first time hearing from him, you know, yeah. obviously being in a Nick uniform today, but he struck me as somebody who's he understands it. He gets the mission here. I some guys that to talk today that sounded really focused, and I think he gets it and is in a good space. And so I expect good things from Dante in the next uniform. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everywhere Dante has been, he's been kind of looked at as a pro's pro and a, and a reliable guy, where whether he's shooting well or shooting poorly or whatever, however many minutes he's playing, whether he's starting, he's always going to give you 100%. He's always, he's always going to play the right way. That just happens to be how a lot of those guys that Jay Wright coached have played, not just at you know in college, but also in the NBA. He fits right into that. So in some ways, he's a Tibbs dream in that regard. Yeah, I, 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 the more we get closer to the season, the more I'm very intrigued by how Dante uh, fits into this team. You know, when they signed him, I was like, okay, cool. I wasn't like going crazy about it because I felt like I wanted maybe a, a Seth Curry, maybe someone who was more of a pure shooter per se. But this guy plays really hard. He, like you said, he works hard on the defensive end. He can shoot. He can play some one, which um, actually I thought it was interesting that Tibbs mentioned that, yes, him and Quickly were kind of, They'll, they'll both have time at the one coming off that bench. So that'll be interesting. I think that will help quickly a lot. He'll get some time uh, at the two off the bench without having to maybe sacrifice offense by putting Deuce McBride in there. Um, they can have someone like Dante DiVincenzo who can also score the ball uh, playing the one so quickly can get some time off the ball. So uh, I think Dante is a good fit. I'm curious to see what how they figure out this backup forward thing. I didn't really see many quotes about how they plan to address that. Maybe they won't. Maybe there's a plan to go small for now. But um, but I think Dante is definitely going to be uh, uh, an important piece for this team if they are going to take another step on the quickly front. You hear him saying essentially that mm-hmm. he's letting the agent handle the uh, extension stuff. What you expect to hear from athletes at this point in their contract negotiations? What are you comfortable with if you you had to, to negotiate with Emmanuel quickly? You were in Leon Rose's shoes. What would you be comfortable paying him on a, on an extension? I'm comfortable paying him anything between I I I think 18 to 21 mil per year. I think it's probably what he'll get, and I'm fine with that because I think I think quickly's a really good player. I'm actually very high and quickly despite his struggles in the postseason last year because he's the kind of guy too. When you heard him talk about that, he's like, oh, I was spending the summer watching film and working on. And listen, everybody says that at this time of year, right? Everybody's been watching the yeah. film. They're in the best shape of their life, all this stuff. <laughs> but some players, you hear that and you like, no, I believe you. Like, I know, I, yeah. I can tell you're somebody who's putting in the work. Everything you hear about quickly is that he's a gym rat, putting yeah. in the work. I think he bounces back big this year. I think he was uber motivated. He'll be uber motivated by the fact that he didn't win six man of the year last year. He had said at the top of the year last year. That was one of his goals. Obviously, he came in second. I think he's got to be a great chance of probably odds on favorite to win it this year um i think he has a good chance he does it. i think he'll be very focused i'm look I, he's the kind of guy where i'm like okay let, let me see what you've added to your game um you know yeah. we knew the float game was strong in year one and he's added some stuff and quickly looks he said he worked on his strength he looks a little bit strong stronger I, I saw him today yeah. uh when he first came into the facility and then before he came to the podium and he looks like he's at least put on a little bit of weight, not a lot, but a little bit of weight. So I, th- I think it'll help him. I think quickly he's a good player. I think he's worth anything in that range. I think the Knicks have to pay him. I think they'd be, sh- I'd be stunned if 
he doesn't get signed by the Knicks, I'd be very stunned about it. I know some Knicks fans might say, well, if you don't sign him, then it's easier to ha- trade him on, on the number. M- maybe and maybe not uh, because teams would probably like him if he's locked in for three to four years. That actually is fine. You just won't be right. able to trade him in the yeah. first year like you couldn't trade RJ last year. Right. But uh, no, man, I, I, I think that's a good number, and I think the Knicks will get something done before the 23rd. I'd be stunned if they don't sign him annual quickly. I'd be stunned by that. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been on the, fin- I've been on the record saying that. Look, I think on quickly standpoint, I'd be interested if he'd be willing to kind of bet on himself and play this year out and see if he could, uh, mm. you know, get a big offer from somebody, maybe be a starter and restrict to free agency, and then make the Knicks pay, you know, a twenty three, twenty four, twenty five million dollars. I mean, Jalen Brunson and quickly, Jalen Brunson's Dallas numbers and quickly's number from last season are very close. And Jalen Jalen Brunson much more efficiency, but the, the the totals and everything are not that far off. So if I'm Jalen, if I'm Manuel quickly, as I've said before, I, I I'm 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 at least asking for a hundred million over four years. Now I'll come down from that, but if I don't get that, because essentially that's what Brunson got a little bit more than that, I would be. I, it's going to be very interesting. I, I, yeah. I we will know how much he wants to be a Nick. I think in the next few weeks. No, facts on that. And here's the thing. You know, the thing, I gave my valuation of him, but, you know, and I'd even be willing to probably go up to, like, 22. Here's the thing. Let let me be honest. If he asked for four and 100, are the Knicks saying no to that, really? Are you really saying no with the cap going up? No, I don't think you are. I think you won't have to pay that. Yeah. Right. Like, you would. yeah, you're saying that you wouldn't say no. I wonder if the Knicks would, but I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, because I think if you look at it now, I, I heard you say that, and I'm like, okay. You paid quick at 25 mil. You know you're going to have to pay Brunson more after he opts out of 30 of his deal because right. he's going yeah. to. Um, when you think about it, that's what it's going to cost for a six-man-of-the-year candidate in this new NBA with the cap going up. I think, not saying you, EJ, but I think a lot yeah, of times yeah, some yeah. fans, they, they hear the price and they're like, that's what you're paying for a six-man? Well, yeah, it's not 2016 anymore. He's the it's best six-man. He's the <laughs> best six-man in, the, in yeah. the league. Who, to your point about even if he chooses to bet on himself and the Knicks don't want to come to a number he wants, we don't know what his aspirations are. We don't know if he fancies himself as a starter. So it's very interesting. I think quickly, yeah, if it costs 25, man, you pay that. Because you, you're you always going to overpay a little bit in the beginning if it's even an overpay. That might look like a bargain. Remember the people just a summer ago who thought Jalen Brunson was an overpay? I know. I wasn't one of those, yeah. I wasn't one of those people, but some people thought that he was an overpay. And that is easily one of the best, if not the best, contract in the league. So quickly, you might think it's an overpay. I don't think it's that for a bench player of his caliber at his age. It's fine if you pay him four. If you give him four for hundred, it's fine. I, I don't have a problem point, with that. Yeah, yeah. And at a certain point, you're going to have to continue to add salary because if you're eventually going to make one of these monster trades for a superstar, you're going to need guys making some money too. So, um, so that's something to think about as well. So, real quickly before we get out of here. Um, Big news in terms of the MSG broadcast. So you'll be hearing man hand down, man down during some broadcasts, at least according to one of your colleagues, Andrew Marshan, who uh, with the yep. New York Post, uh, he's reporting that there is momentous and will be signing a deal to join uh, MSG Networks as a fill-in color analyst uh, for some Knicks games. Of course, he worked for 15 plus years at ESPN alongside Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, you're excited about Mike, Mark Jackson potentially being on the broadcast. Hell yeah. You get to hear Mark Jackson with a 
with a little bit of green. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely excited about that. All they got to do is bring Jeff Van Gundy. I, that won't happen for multiple reasons. Yeah, apparently, yeah, Marshan said that that was unlikely. Was Yo, I yeah, that. that's 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 unlikely. Let's just put it like uh, Jeff Van Gundy does not get along with the owner of the Knicks. That did not end well uh, when he left, so that's not very likely. I think that's what's happened. But that would have been dope. We can all dream. However, having Mark Jackson, absolutely dope. I think it's good. I think in a way it kind of makes you sad a little bit because you realize Clyde's time. Clyde has talked about this. He's going to be doing less and less work over the next couple of years as he moves towards retirement. But, you know, hey, Mark Jackson, native New Yorker, being on the broadcast, it's great. He's a fantastic color analyst. Uh, still don't understand why he's never got another shot as a head coach, but he's a fantastic color analyst, and I think it'll be great to have him for next broadcast. I think he'll do a great job. And he's already got chemistry with Green, so I think that's dope. Yeah, him and him, Green and, and Van Gundy, the three-man team they created, I, th- I think they got so much better over the course of time. I thought early mm-hmm. on they were maybe a little too playful. I think as the – games went on as their years went on like them calling out games and calling out adjustments mid-game became one of my favorite things to watch uh, throughout the NBA playoffs and throughout the NBA finals so seeing Jackson alongside Breen again and now from a Knicks perspective I mean how many times I know a lot of people who when they see a Knicks broadcast on ESPN they look for the MSG broadcast and they're like I'm not wasting my time with the ESPN lol Knicks narrative is going to happen so uh, the fact that you actually can now, you know, enjoy a Knicks game and on MSG and have Green and Mark Jackson as your your team on some broadcast games that Clyde isn't doing, that's phenomenal. Now, I love Clyde Frazier. Clyde Frazier is one of my all-time favorite sports people. i gotten to meet Clyde. He's a he's absolutely the man. And Great um, guy. When he retires, it's going to be a sad day. But I think if they were looking at somebody to eventually be a replacement, as you mentioned, native New Yorker, New York City playground legend, St. John's, former Nick, Rookie of the Year. I mean, I don't know if it gets much better if you're going to think of a potential replacement from for Clyde Frazier than Mark Jackson. I love Jeff Van Gundy. I, I prefer him even more than Mark Jackson. So if they were going to choose. Me too. I would have chosen JVG. Yeah, me too. I choose JVG, but uh, we don't have a choice, it seems like. It seems like they don't. Oh, we have, no, we have no choice. <laughs> yeah, the one that doesn't, doesn't have any part, well, any part of the JVG stuff. So if you're going right. to have Mark Jackson, I think we got to live with that. But um, yeah. I think that's a good place to wrap it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. So I want to thank uh, the great Dexter Henry for coming on the podcast uh, today. I, I really appreciate it. Dexter, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, man. Everybody can find me and follow me on all social media platforms at DHenryTV. Uh, you can also check out my work on the New York Post YouTube channel as well as SNY YouTube channel. You can hear me doing updates on WFAN and cbs sports radio sometimes ej and i get to work together ej might be behind the boards and i'm doing some updates you know yep. it happens sometimes you don't always see see uh a lot of us that look the same there but we're, 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 we're there, there. We're, we're, yeah. we're there ej you're doing a great job with this with this show and this podcast man I'm really proud of you so thank you for having oh, me you, you know i'm always willing to support and come back any anytime so thank you brother appreciate it I do appreciate that, brother. Thank you so much for those kind words. And make sure you guys follow all Dexter's great work, including, obviously, at WFEN, CBS Sports Radio, where, again, both he and I work as well. And, again, you always follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, Action EJ, as well as TikTok and Threads as well, Action EJ. So I want to thank everybody for listening and checking out this uh, episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. For Dexter, I'm EJ. Easy, guys. Peace.